Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I am Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today's episode was a Q&A session from our subscribers, listeners, whatever you want to call them. We had in a couple of questions. I think we answered three questions right. uh, from our listeners, all obviously to do with digital marketing and, and challenges that I think are pretty common. I think probably why we picked those three out of yep. all the questions that came in is that we hear them a lot. And so hopefully you guys found some value in what we said in terms of our answers. If you have your own questions that you want us to answer on the show, send us an email or fill out a form on the website. I think it's oneims.com uh, slash podcast. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, Taylor. So today's episode is a Q&A uh, from some of our audience. Thank you all for sending questions. We love them. We have actually a whole lot of them. We're going to cover a couple, as many as I can, just because... Rapid fire. Exactly. And I think uh, if we can just make sure that we get these questions answered correctly, I think I'm more happy than quality over quantity. The first one is, obviously, it's a digital marketer. He says, how fast should I react to trends? So he put keyword changing trend, new platforms, you know, there's a lot of trend, obviously, I can get it. Sure. So what is your answer, Taylor? All right. I think you have to look at, I mean, the, the idea that it's a trend means that it's going to go up and then come down. So like you have to look at the longevity of that trend mm-hmm. um, and then look at your also your capacity or internal capacity of like, can we react fast enough to have an impact and capitalize on this trend, right? So, I mean, let's just use what kind of what's going on right now, depending on where you're, when you're listening to this, you know, we're talking about a trend of, you know, COVID-19, right? So there's right. a, you know, if you sell something of value during this time, you know, PPE or, you know, sanitation, um, you know, solutions or something along those lines, you could have looked at this at the beginning and say, you know, we need to capitalize on this, it's going to be a short window, or maybe you think it's going to be too short that you don't capitalize on. Like some of that is just unknown. So like, how fast can you actually react? Let's say you didn't even have a website, right? Like how fast can you put together a website, Google ads campaign, you know, landing page, whatever that may be, start converting the leads. Can you produce and manufacture the actual PPE and send it out? It's a little bit of a gamble, right? But let's say that we're, we're just talking about a general business and something that's maybe going to be a little bit more short term. I think you don't want to be reactionary in your marketing. You want to adjust to something that's going to be a long-term change. So you talked about, I think you asked about like Google, right? So I would look at Google trends as like two different things. One, you look at search trends, meaning is the interest in your product or service or specific search term going up over time? Then you try to reverse engineer like why you believe that would be going up. Is there change in demand? Is that demand long-term, short-term? If it's short-term, then probably doesn't make sense to spend a lot of resources trying to you know chase that idea that maybe have already gone by, right? There was a spike in demand, now it's over. Other trends in Google that come to mind would be like an algorithm update. So should you optimize your website based on algorithm updates? Yes and no. You want to be ahead of the curve for those updates. You don't want to find a loophole in an algorithm update or a loophole that you think is going to be, again, short term. You want to look at how do I make my website better if you look at the trend of algorithm updates since the beginning of Google to now, it's about a couple of things. One is, if you would ask me a year ago, I would have said it's about making a better website experience, better user experience. If you ask me now, I might say it's partly about keeping people on Google more, right? If you yeah. look at what Google's doing, they're trying to keep that website, they're trying to keep that traffic on Google. You could say that's because it's a better experience or not, but it's the same idea as like you need to optimize your website 
for how Google is reacting and how Google wants to treat their users. Um, is that a trend or is that not a trend? I think regardless of an algorithm update, like you shouldn't be surprised by something that happens. You should already have been working on that. So I wouldn't say you're reactionary in that sense, unless your website tanks in traffic or something like that. Other trends he asked about, I think was platforms, right? This is probably where people get into more trouble than like Google search trends, algorithm updates. I think the average marketer wouldn't, you know, isn't looking at search trends every day and like trying to write a blog post about something that had a you know spike in traffic or spike in interest. I think the average marketer in terms of pitfalls would fall into that trends in platforms, right? So where do I reach my customer? You know, just looking at social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Now we have, you know, TikTok and Snapchat and, and Twitch and all these things like YouTube. I mean, we can talk about YouTube, whether you call that social media or search engine or whatever. LinkedIn has stories now. Right. Yeah. I mean, so those are the trends I would probably try to avoid simply because of a bandwidth issue. Yeah. Not because it's not feasible to reach your audience. I would say that if you have the bandwidth and it makes sense for your audience, Pinterest, I didn't even mention Pinterest, right? I would probably double down on some of those new platforms because you can get that first mover advantage. Even LinkedIn today is really an untapped platform, right? I think there's probably eight another 18 months before LinkedIn becomes like a Facebook, right? I mean, there's you can create a following on LinkedIn today much easier than you can, you know, posting on YouTube, right? It's just less players, the way the algorithms work. You can create more engagement. If you can reach your audience on TikTok, then yeah, maybe you should go all in on TikTok because there's less competition, right? Right. It's a huge audience, less competition. People haven't quite figured it out yet. So I would look at it in terms of trend. I would try to identify what that trend is. Is it here to last? Like, is it really a trend? Like, is it a fad? I guess maybe we should look up the definition of trend. But in my mind, I think of trend and I think of like, is it a fad? Is it something sure. that's going to happen and it's going to go away? You or, never know. Or a trend within a platform, like you said, is like, okay, do I, a I story don't. is like exact, in my opinion, is like a trend within a trend because right. like it is by definition is going away. Like you're creating something and then it's only going to last for a couple of days. So like how big is your reach going to be? How big is your audience going to be? So I would try to avoid chasing all the trends at once. Identify which trend you think is going to be best suited for your audience and for your skill set internally for the type of content you can create. And then double down on that and go all in on that. Yeah, and I like how you said it. If you have the bandwidth, then yeah. then do it. And a lot of times you get so stressed out that there's all these platforms and should I do it and should I not? And I don't think that you should be worried. Right. I think they need to be like, I would rather you do really well on one platform than you spread yourself in six platforms right. and do a poor job. Yeah, I heard a marketer the other day, I can't take credit for it, but said that if you're under like, I think you were just specifically talking about like a SaaS company, but it was like, if you're under $10 million in revenue, you should be active on one social platform. Because you think about what your marketing team might look right. like, two, three people. Like, are you trying to balance five different social platforms? Then you got to create blog posts, then you got to create video content, and you're trying to optimize your website, and then you're doing Google AdWords. Like, how can you possibly give all of your attention and effort into those different platforms? Yes, you could successfully get customers from LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. But you probably do a better job of just going all in on LinkedIn. Yep, I like that. That's really good. It's not bad. I've never heard that yet, but I agree with you. I think you should go where your people are. Yeah. 
or like I said, do more of one thing before you try to do everything. And how about you kind of leave your social platform as a ghost town, right? Never post anything. <laughs> yeah. Because you're trying to do everything. You're trying to do too much. I mean, there's yeah. like an unlimited amount of... Most people just give up after a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Whatever you want to call old old sayings that go along with that, like uh, chasing cats. I've heard that. It's like you try to chase more than one cat. It's just going to run away. Gonna or chase run. a cat at all. It's going to run away. You need to have the cat come to you, right? Wow. Deep. <laughs> Next question is, how do I identify my competitors? It's a good one. Yeah. It's an interesting question, really, because from a marketer's perspective and where we sit as an agency, I think a lot of companies misidentify their competitors, meaning they look at like who they're in a bid against or who's down the street from them. And they say they're a competitor because they're like the same size. You know, they have the same problems or challenges that we do. Right? 30 trucks. Right. Well, that's a competitor to some extent. If your ideal customer already knows, like, I need a vendor of this size in this geographic region. And, you know, they met both of you, like, at a trade show or whatever. Like, they identify, like, hey, these are good fits, right? But if that person has identified that they have a need and then they go to Google and they search, who is whoever is the top three, four, five spots? Yep. That is your competition, right? Who yep. are you competing for attention with? So we see a lot of times that we say, oh, you know, Amazon's not a competitor of us, or Uline's not a competitor of us. Like they're much bigger, or they're a platform, and they're a reseller, or they they don't do this. They don't manufacture. They just you know import from China mm-hmm. or Mexico. It's like that's not the point, right? The point is at that moment of truth when someone goes to Google and they search for a solution to their problem, which you can help with, yep. if they don't find your website or whatever they find, that is competition. So that's where I would start is I would identify what is our top 10 you know, keywords, right? In terms of our products or solutions that we provide, go to Google, search for that. 10 searches, 10 results for each search, write those down, take a screenshot. There's a hundred different links, right? You might find that there's maybe only 10 different competitors that take up all those hundred different links, but that is who you're competing with. And what you have to figure out is where you can actually compete. Because if you're trying to rank for like a financial term and the first three results is like Investopedia and Wikipedia and, you know, whatever, Forbes.com, it's like, can you compete with that? Because they are taking away your, your traffic. Same thing if, I, if we sell a product, right? Let's say we manufacture a product, we sell it. And, you know, we sell our products on Amazon and Home Depot and, you know, Lowe's and all of those websites are our partners because we sell there, but they also, and our customers, but then they also outrank us. Like they're also our competition to some extent. So identify who is your competition and in what format they're, you know, competitor. And then you try to identify how you can beat them or how you can take some of that impression share, that attention away from them, because that's where you're going to start to get the conversions and customers. And I think the same concept you can apply two, three things like the last one we talked about, the social content. When you go to YouTube and you search the same keyword, that's not the same people that are on Google. Yep. That's a whole another competition who's creating tons of content for your niche. Yep. That's a different ball game altogether. Yeah. Or the person that has all the organic reach because of all the you know, creation of content and nurturing and creating a community over time, that's a different competition, right? Yeah. It's like you can't beat somebody who's built relationship with hundreds of people. Yeah, yeah. It's can't who, beat who's, that. Who's educating your customer? Yeah. That is your competition. Yeah, seriously, it's an insanity. But but I like your answer. It's really, it's hard. 
because it's a one. And if you're doing SEO, then you have a list of competitors. If yeah. You're doing organic. And it probably would circle back to that first question that we answered is like, you still need to prioritize your time. Like, yeah. yes, these are all our competitors, but can we spend our time and effort competing with Amazon? Maybe not. So you have to identify who your competition is first. I know that was the yep. only answer. The question was, how do I identify? I guess we're giving them a little bonus SCM of rush. like, how Just do we, <laughs> yeah, how do we then overtake our competitors? And, and to some yeah, extent? love it. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified, or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS and especially with this podcast is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day. Next question. This is, should we or should we not gate our content? I know we've created a lot of content around um, this. I'm a big proponent of no. Uh, I'm would, a big proponent of yes. So I guess <laughs> yeah. we have 50-50 yeah, here. I would, I would say um, that I think it would be good conversations. So you could talk about the other side of it. But yeah. I, I, need my I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, no, don't gate it. Because if you're spending time to create something of value, then give it to your customer because you think it's valuable. I'm not charging for it. It's free. You are though. You're charging a an email Entry address, fee. right? Which you have to. It once you make that mind shift of like being seller centric to buyer centric, right? If the idea of your website, your marketing, your messaging, your product, your service, everything is around, hey, I want to be buyer centric. I want to give my customer the best user experience. It's not a good user experience to go. I see something I like on LinkedIn. I click on it, and then I go to a landing page where I have to enter my you know contact information. For me to even read this report that I thought might be interesting. I'm not even know if I'm interested yet. I just thought it might be interesting. I don't want to fill that out because I know what's going to happen when I fill that out. I'm going to get a canned, you know, email sequence. I'm going to get calls from a, you know, SDR, right? That's going to try to sell me on something. I just wanted to read this report that I thought was interesting. So I'm probably not going to fill out the form. I mean, look at your, you know, conversion rates on those forms. Even if it's 10%, which is high, that means 90% of the people that clicked on that link that you're maybe even spending money to promote, 90% of those people are never even going to read that content. So the goal of what we talked about as marketers is we want to communicate, we want to educate, we want to reach our audience, and we want to, again, bridge that gap between where they're at and where we're at. And 90% of the people aren't even going to see what we're trying to do. Like we made it all the way to the front door and like we never even rang the doorbell because we needed some extra piece of information, right? So- Show me your idea, right? Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, it's not a good user experience. You're missing out on a huge piece of your audience. I would, if it's valuable, I'd give it away for free and I would give it to as many people as I can and then let those people educate themselves and self-identify when they're in the market and then they'll reach out to you. How would you remarket to them if you have no idea who they are? So like, it's not about, okay, we have to remarket to them because if you look at the metrics and we've done it across how many of our companies is like, 
how many people actually become a customer that way because they downloaded an ebook and then they got into our funnel and then we emailed them, you know, a hundred times and we had a phone call and we, like how many of those people actually become a customer versus if you just gave it to them and you educate them, you can have calls to action within that piece of content, whether that's a webinar or, right. you know, it'd be like gating this podcast, right? And then right. you had to fill your email to listen to the podcast. Like we're just giving you free information. If you find it valuable, then you can reach out to us. At this point, you could still cookie them. You could show ads to them. You could try to get them to come back and request a quote or a demo. But I mean, talk to your sales reps. How many of them want to you know, call people that just downloaded a resource? Like how quality are those conversations? How many of them turn into sales opportunities? And again, that is just the people who converted, not the other 90% or 98% who didn't convert. It's just- So the only form would be bottom of funnel form. Yeah, depending on, I mean, depends what you're doing, right? I mean, you may have like a very- Newsletter subscription form. So yeah, I mean, you may have a very, very well put together like research. I mean, like you'd think about like a gardener or someone like that who like you pay for research and then you, you know, put something together and then maybe you have to have somebody fill that out. Or maybe you're hosting an event where you want somebody to register, you have to pay for it um, because it's like even more valuable. Then in those cases, like I said, 99.9% of the time I'm for not gating it. But sometimes I guess it would say that you do have to gate it. But yeah, in general, again, as marketers, if you're being buyer centric, then the idea is let me make it as easy as possible for you to consume this information. And then I'm going to educate you. And then when the time comes, you're going to reach out to me. It means I'm spending way less time dealing with bad leads, right? Salespeople, we have to have a smaller sales department because we don't need to handle all these leads that are just, you know, or that you came to my website one time. So I got to call you a hundred times. Like, <laughs> or we call you because we know your company size and we identified that you're the right person. And you, right. IBM stepped on my website. So I have to call you now. Right. So I would rather play that the long game in that sense sure. of just educate, 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 focus on value. And then the right people are going to reach out to you at the right time. It just requires a lot more resources on your end as a, an organization from a sales perspective. You're going to have a more educated buyer. It's going to be a faster sales cycle. It's, it's a different process. Like the, the playbook as marketers, especially like B2B marketing is, you know, social ad to ebook, you know, gated ebook to email sequence to SDR sequence that's cold calling five, 10 touches. And like what, I mean, maybe one print of the initial form bills are going to become a customer or you can open that funnel a lot larger, never have to deal with that. And then all of your meetings are just demo requests, right? Depending on what you're, yeah. you're selling. So it's a completely different game. It's a different playbook. Like you said, it's hard to measure as marketers, like the idea of a Yeah, MQL. what do you do with direct marketers, direct response guys who are like, I need leads now. And if it doesn't produce leads, then it's not quality. Well, what's a lead? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, if you if you need leads, then you can get leads. You can, you can turn on a... Facebook lead ad, Google or um, LinkedIn lead ads and right. get a bunch of leads. But what is what you want is revenue, right? You don't necessarily have a lead problem. You don't have a sales problem. You have a marketing communications problem, which is we need to focus more on creating quality content and distributing that content. And then the leads are going to be higher qualified. So your cost per acquisition is going to go down. Your lifetime value, lifetime value is going to go up. Like th- those are the metrics you could focus on. If you're caught on, hey, we need leads, and you're trying to do this and trying to implement this, it's not going to work because you're not going to get as many leads. Your leads are going to go down for sure. But your sales will go up. Right. Good argument there. (laughs)
All right. Um, well, those are the three questions that we're going to do today. All right. Perfect. I don't want to pull it up again. I'm good for the day. What about you? Yeah. Hopefully those answers satisfied people who asked them. If not, certainly write to us, send us an email. Exactly. For the clarify. But yeah, hopefully you guys found some value. Absolutely. So if you have more questions, again, oneimas.com slash podcast. We love seeing you and your questions. As Taylor always says, subscribe to our channel. Leave us a comment. Share this with a friend. We certainly want to see if it's helping you guys. If it is, tell us so we can help you even further, right? Come up with more content ideas based on your challenges. Um, So, yep, that's all we got for you today. We'll see you next time. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, here are five things that you can do to help us. Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight All right, for our next episode or the one after that. And finally, you guys, join other growth marketers. Head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you. I'm talking guides, webinars, blogs, videos, anything that can help you become a growth marketer. All right. So thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Growth Marketers Podcast, and I will see you next time.